Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a growing network of people who believe the center of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, and that learning to take love seriously is vital for how we practice discipleship, mission, and leadership. The Gravity Leadership Podcast explores, in practical ways, how to root our lives and our leadership in this love that holds all of us and everything together. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. My name is Ben Sternke. I'm one of your co-hosts, along with Matt Tebby. Hey, hey, hey. And Christy Penley. Hey, Christy. I am so happy to be here, guys. Woohoo! Christy was actually just saying that uh, we look we look tired. You, <laughs> you do. That's what she said right before. Uh, I do feel a little bit tired. So anyway, all, all in the need, course of a You need a, a second a cup week. of coffee. A second cup of coffee and a vacation. I'm going there on vacation go. soon. Yeah, you are. I'm excited about Come that. on. Uh, which, which, yeah, it'll be, uh, I'm hopeful for a refreshing time. Um, <laughs> um, I used, can I, can I, can I, uh, there's a joke in our family. It, uh-huh. We all have like little phrases we use in our family that don't make sense outside of our family context. Oh, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We do this. Christy. In, one, in jokes. Yeah. Little inside jokes. One of, uh, something Soren said as a little boy, so, something Christy's oldest son said as a little boy has become an inside joke. In our family. I have no idea what you're talking okay. about. Tell me. So, so I don't remember exactly what Soren did, but he took something of yours. Okay. That that and destroyed it. And you. Um, oh, I made were, him pay for it. You made him pay for it. Do you remember what he said? <laughs> well, I just re- he bro- I was in a pottery class. Yep. 
And I was trying to get my minor in art, and he broke one of my like final pieces. And he was like and three shattered. or four or five or something. Yeah, and I was like, "You got to pay for it." He's like, "I don't have any money." No, that's not what he said. He said, "Oh, but I don't have any cash monies." <laughs> cash monies. It's <laughs> <laughs> what he said. And so now, whenever Sharon and I want to do something and we don't have the money for it, that's what we say. I don't oh, have any cash money. You know that story though, it had a good ending. Because I did make him pay for it. And of course he didn't yeah. have any cash monies. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, go find a toy that's really valuable to you and you're gonna have to give it to me for three days. He came up with like a little matchbox car, which meant nothing to him. I'm like, oh no, that does not constitute like what you just like that's my final in my art class. Mm. And uh, so he went back downstairs. He brought me his Mickey Mouse which was his lovey at the time. He slept with it every night. He gave up Mickey Mouse for three nights, guys, to pay for that pot because he didn't have any cash monies. No cash monies. <laughs> no cash money. Yeah, that's funny. It's cute. Um, but then you did well, something fun last night. What did you do? Oh. Um, oh, yeah. Matt was there, too. We, we did... Um, mm-hmm. We... Uh, for the first time in 15 months mm-hmm. uh, since the pandemic began, we had uh, a table group. At our house, a table group are kind of our like our missional communities um, slash small groups. We um, eat a meal together. It's kind of our church breaking down into smaller groups to meet together, to be the body of Christ, to pray for each other, to care for each other, to discern mission together, um, and just be with each other, eat with each other. Mm-hmm. And we did that at in our living room for the first time, yeah, in fifteen months. It was That's it was awesome. uh, beautiful and surreal. And that might be part of the reason I'm tired. Um, I'm just not used to that many people in the house. You're yeah. not my used body, to being my up My body was like, like, what is happening? Yeah. What is happening? Why are y'all, why are y'all here? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I love it. No, it was great. Yeah. There's like 25 people or so, um, in the, in the house, kids running around everywhere. It was like, oh yeah, I remember doing this. Yes. So. I miss that. It's so yeah. good. It's like real life is coming back maybe a little bit. Yeah. Or new maybe new life cuz I think there's going to be some changes mm-hmm. maybe forever for us but but right. new life, a new yeah. way of going about things. Yeah. Well that I, that's what I found too is I I didn't realize how much I missed it um until we started doing it again. I'm like, oh. Mhm. This, you know, my body was freaking out a little bit I think just with uh you know what I mean? Like it takes a while to get used to the social uh aspects of all that stuff again, but uh, the other aspect of it was like, oh, this like this was doing so much good work in our community. Yeah. Um, and you you sort of you realize it after it goes away, and then yeah. and then when you bring it back, you're like, oh, this is this is what we've been missing here. So yeah. mm-hmm. I don't know, Matt. Um, what did what did you notice um, as you as we were engaged? Matt and I are kind of a part of the same part of the city, and so yeah, we were we're in the same group. Yeah, as we hung out together. Yeah, just what like would you notice about that at starting it after 15 months? I found myself uh noticing that maybe my desire to to create or produce something for a group of people has diminished. Meaning huh. I think I think when I we used to gather in small groups, I felt this pressure or push or weight to to make this valuable for you. Create a cool experience. Bring for, value to your. You're mm-hmm. you're coming here. You're, you're spending time with us. Maybe we need to. Um, we need to make sure that we deliver something. 
Uh, now yeah, that yeah. was understated. You know, I, I, you know, I'm not like up uh, tap dancing and singing Frank Sinatra for people. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Uh, Although but, that would be amazing. Well, yeah. yeah if you want to bring value, <laughs> yeah, that's that's July. That's July. Too. <laughs> yeah, but I found that I was more content to just enjoy what we were doing, just being together, and I mm-hmm. think other people did too. And so there was a kind of a reset on the appetite. You know, like um, if you've hmm. ever like drank coffee with sugar. Mm-hmm. And then you go, you go coffee is that's just black, and it's like mm-hmm. tastes really bitter for like weeks and weeks. But finally, you get used to it. And when you try to re-add sugar to your coffee, just a little bit, it's like, oh gosh, yeah. it's like a resetting of your like spiritual taste buds yeah. of just being together. Yeah, yeah. The good, the goodness of that is like enough, and it like it was like it felt like enough. Yeah, it was enough. Yeah, nothing more yeah. needed. No sugar yeah. added. <laughs> no sugar added. Yeah, we we've been off sugar for. Uh, for 15 months, <laughs> and now we realize, actually, maybe we don't need that. Yeah. We just drink our coffee black. Yeah. Uh, can, I, can I tell a story <laughs> about one of my friends? One of my friends uh, is was getting off sugar. Um, she's been off sugar for 10 days, and uh, she's on this diet where she's trying to eliminate sugar. And mm. um, she had somebody get her something from a Starbucks, and it was supposed to be a sugar-free drink, but uh, the person made a mistake and got her a drink with like sugar syrup in it. And uh, she she drank it. And, um, she said like, I immediately got, um, a huge headache and I like, I, I, and I got diarrhea. Sorry. I don't know if that's appropriate to <laughs> oh, say gosh. on the podcast, oh, ben. but she just, uh, anyway, it was just like, it, it was a shock to her system after 10 days off sugar. Mm. So anyway, <laughs> made yeah. me think of that when you uh, brought up that metaphor. So, yeah. Yeah. So it prob- was, it was good to be together and <laughs> yeah. I think we're going to continue to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Every week, Thursday night. That's gonna be our. It's gonna be our rhythm. I'm looking forward to it. Um, if you are new to this podcast, we, we that's that's one thing I wanted to mention too here in this intro. Like a lot of folks, um, if if our download stats are correct, uh, a lot of new folks are listening to the Gravity Leadership Podcast, um, and it happened right after we did that four part series with Nathan Cartagena mm-hmm. on critical race theory. If you haven't heard that series, uh, it's a great um, introduction to critical race theory, and I know, like. This topic has only grown in terms of the news cycle. Um, you know, yeah. the Southern Baptists are talking about it and, you know, kind of every denominational, everybody's got to have an opinion about it and all this stuff is happening about it. But um, if you want to, if you want it straight from the scholar's mouth, what critical race theory mm. actually is, that's mm. a great series to listen to. Um, but we also wanted to welcome new listeners. If you're new to Gravity Leadership and you're listening because of that, you know, we did a, a recent episode on reparations and we did an episode on the the whiteness of the um, doctrine of God's sovereignty or providence, you know, and all, all this other, other kind of thing. But we, we also do um, more interviews like this one with Mike Erie that we're about to get into uh, that don't deal uh, explicit with, explicitly with some of those issues. But we wanted to welcome you to yeah. the Gravity Podcast and say yeah. we're welcome. glad that you're listening. Welcome. Yeah. Um, and if you would like to join our online community, I wanted to invite you to do that. If you go to gravityleadership.com slash join, hmm. Um, and give us your email address. We'll send you all kinds of uh, goodies. Um, send you some introduction to kind of who we are. But then um, the main goodie that most people uh, sign up uh, for that list for is a list Home of curated cookies. links. Oh. Home, well, no. No? Sugar for your coffee. Fun, sugar for, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of sugar. No, it's a, uh, it's, a, it's a link. It's an email that we send on Fridays um, that has curated links uh, for just 
stuff that uh, is out there in on the internet. You have to have an internet connection to get this, <laughs> uh, but it's on the internet, and it's um, it's like it's basically articles that we found helpful during the week for uh, discerning how God is at work in culture, um, for uh, discerning how best to lead uh, our communities well through the uh, cultural landscape. Um, so a lot of those links are about like this past week, at least uh, when we're recording this, um, a lot of the links were about uh, critical race theory and kind of what people are saying about it and that kind of thing, but because that's what people are talking about. And yep. so we assume that's what people are talking about in churches. And um, it it really is important and helpful, I think, for leaders to learn how to navigate some of these issues yeah. um, from a kind of a Christ-centered uh, perspective, kind of rooted in the love of God. Like we want to do and everything on this. Honestly, for those listeners who are like, wait a minute, I can't handle another email. Like mm-hmm. like me, I hate picking, like opening up email. I'm like, get overwhelmed. But <laughs> honestly, the stuff in that email is really good and really worth your time. Yeah. So if yeah. you're like me and you've got like 116 emails you need to open up, uh, I promise you, if you open up that one, it'll be worth it. <laughs> Yes. Well, check check it out. Um, gravityleadership.com slash join. Thanks for that uh, encouraging uh, word there, Christy. I, I write those emails. So every time somebody says that they want to read it, I feel a little warm fuzzy in my heart. Mm-hmm. So thanks, Christy. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's get into this interview. Matt, wh- uh, what are we talking to Mike about today? Yeah, we talked to Mike Erie. He's, uh, I met Mike through his podcast. He has a podcast called Vox Podcast. And as we preached through the Sermon on the Mount last fall... Mm-hmm. Mike was doing a series on the Sermon on the Mount that closely aligned with our theme and the focus mm-hmm. we wanted to have. By the yeah. way, uh, I think I pitched that in the interview. His on it's still going, still ongoing Sermon on the Mount series is excellent. It's really good, yeah. it's so yeah. good. Anyway, yeah. Mike, uh, I knew part of Mike's story from the podcast. Reached out to him, said, "Hey, would you come share your story? It involves being a pastor at a large church." And then finding that being a pastor of a large church was not good for his soul, leaving pastoral mm-hmm. ministry, and now uh, dipping his toe back into it, uh, hopefully yeah. in a more healthy way. I just thought his story uh, could speak to a lot of what we hear from pastors who find that one of the biggest hazards to being a pastor is being a pastor. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? The job yeah. itself creates yeah. all kinds of internal and external pressures and mm. problems. So mm. uh, Mike speaks that, tells a story, uh, shoots down an idea I have of having a conference together. It was a great conversation. <laughs> we, we had a really, you know, we had a fun time with Mike. And uh, you can tell Mike uh, is used to being on a podcast because he was great. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, very good. Let's get into it. Unless there's anything else to announce or say at this point in the in in our cycle. No? I don't think so. I think yeah, this is good. covered up. Good work. We got it. All right. Well, here we go. Mike Erie, welcome to the podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Great to be here. Thank you for the kind invite. Yes. Mike is a pastor. He's a podcaster. He's a Buckeye fan. Mm. That's not an order of priority, by the way. I'm just listing. Yeah. I'm just listing them as and, like a bricolage of interests. And just to be clear, for our non-sports fans out there, Buckeyes are a sports team. Yeah, that's very, and a, based and at a the, poisonous nut. Yeah, and a poisonous and nut. Don't yeah, eat so it. You, likely, you're not a fan of the poisonous nut. 
Right. But I still Especially don't know what a if you live in Michigan. Oh. 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 Christy knows what's Here up. It goes. Here it there it is. So <laughs> this is something we didn't talk about before we hit record. Uh, here's the deal. Sorry, One, sorry sport, non-sports fans. Again, so, you'll just have to so just push Mike, forward through Mike, this. Mike, one of the people, uh, Ben and Christy are with me. Hey, you Hi. Um, hey. One of Ben and Christy is a Michigan fan from Michigan. Yeah. And one of Ben and Christie is a huge grunge band that was in a grunge uh, band in high school. What? <laughs> is this a game? Which Does Mike one have to guess which? who's who? Yeah, which okay, one is I'm going to go Christie's Michigan, yeah. and Ben is the band, is the rock star. What, yes. you don't see grunge in me? <laughs> um, <laughs> to be clear, though, I, I, was a, I, I was a fan of, you know, the the scene in Seattle commonly called grunge. Oh. Um, but I started a punk rock band and we were too cool to call it grunge. So oh, of course. I resent that comment just a little bit. Matt. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I know what Mike, the, I know Mike likes Pearl Jam. Oh, oh it's just a small time band. No, just a I local. It. It, I want it. Uh, Alice in Chains. Was, no, no. <laughs> I wasn't, I was a fan though, uh, yeah. back in the day. No, oh, uh, yeah. our, our band was called Pucker. That is That's amazing. It. Of course, you yeah. don't want to be associated with grunge with that. You got no, no. You guys we are, were you guys we were far Indian too Grand sassy. Fours. You, you're a unicorn, so we're going to call it. Pucker. Yeah, we, we were totally different. Yeah, than the other. Yeah, folks. of course. Anyway, of course. We we didn't we didn't we didn't care as much as grunge cared. Yeah, so we were no, cooler. Totally. So. Yeah. Bunch of sellouts. Man. Which made you better. Totally. Um, made us better. All right, Mike. So always playing status games. So, so Christy than, knew, and Christy tipped her hat just because she knew she knew she, she knew, knew about, about the rivalry, the Mich- Michigan thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I wasn't even going to bring it up. I was like, we can be friends. <laughs> Hold on, my son is calling me, and I'm oh, sorry yeah. about this. Hey, I'm recording a podcast. Can I call you later? <laughs> Love you, boy. Okay, I'm I'm hitting I'm hitting leave. I love you with my whole heart. Is that your son that sometimes shows up on your podcast? I've heard so him on the Seth, podcast. Yeah, Seth. Seth no. My, no, that's my older son, Nate. He is 17, mm. playing soccer. Seth is my youngest son, and he is 12 and has Down syndrome. And he he has an unerring sense mm-hmm. of when his father is Zooming or recording. And he will always, always unerringly <laughs> interrupt those. <laughs> With so much cuteness, you can't even you can't no, you, even get frustrated. Yeah. You just walk We're not even going to edit that out. What just happened there? That was cute enough. Yeah. <laughs> just tell Nate. Thanks for the cute moment, son. Thanks yeah, for the cute moment. Yeah, Nate. No, um, really raising the value of this podcast. <laughs> Nate so, yeah. is at a soccer tournament, so he's called to tell me about his game. Okay. Cool. okay cool. So yeah. yes, all right, we have this agreement. So anyway, go ahead. So what else yes, we need to know? There's Nate, Seth, pastoring, podcasting. Hannah. Hannah's my daughter. She's uh, 15, and she is. My goodness, we she's a rock star. Like hmm. I, I, I didn't have sisters, so having a daughter um, is the best thing I've ever experienced ever. Except mm-hmm. she's fifteen, and I'm gross, and um, <laughs> I do dad jokes, and I'm yeah, I got a nine year old, and I'm I'm gross. So yeah, yeah, that's hitting yeah. a little early. I was still, I think <laughs> well, I was still welcomed. She wants to be Ariana Grande, so she's ahead of the curve. <laughs> One of my uh, one of my favorite I don't know if I can describe it uh, via audio, but one of my favorite memes right now is um, I have a 15 year old as well. She's my youngest, but I um, like you, Mike. Uh, but one of my favorite memes right now is just uh, it's like a picture of I don't know what it t- you know Tilda Swinton, the actress. Oh yeah, she plays some sort of witch in some movie. She plays the witch in every movie, I think. Uh, but she Wait, plays that's like a, this that's witch. Narnia. 
She was uh, in Narnia too. Yeah, well, she yeah. So uh, it may have been from that movie. I don't know what movie it's from, but there's a picture of her like like uh, grimacing and like hissing. And um, my favorite meme is just uh, me to my 15 year old daughter, like. Hi, honey. Good morning. And then her, it just has this like picture of Tilda Swinton with the, with the words hissing underneath. I, I look at that twice a week and I'm like, yes, they oh, understand me. Somebody understands me. Totally. No, my, my daughter's great, but there is sometimes some hissing. Yeah. Oh, my daughter will literally just warn me, dad, I'm mm-hmm. not in the mood for you right now. So just. <laughs> at least you get a heads up. And Absolutely. Kind of like let yourself I, I, down. A little warning. Great progress. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So mm. great. Fantastic. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So that's a little bit about your family, Mike. Uh, anything else yeah. we need to know before we jump in? We're going to talk to you about pastoring, podcasting, the state oh, of white Christianity. Yes, I have, I have credentials that are amazing. I took ballet oh. in high school yeah, you did. Um, for football. I, um, I, have, I have been on antidepressants for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I really love ice cream too much. Mm-hmm. So th- th- that's my list of why I'm here. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, you said love you were it. looking for an ice cream fanatic, and I yeah, said yes. Yeah, we'd, we'd love to hear Here what I am, that's Lord, like. Send me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I want to build up to the ice cream. I'm not sure our audience can handle it right off the bat. So let's start. <laughs> that's that's a, for your second visit. We'll let's talk about start with uh, Mike. You have um, recently moved, and recently I mean in the last couple of years, from California yeah. back to Ohio. And I've heard you share part of the story publicly on your podcast, but you were a part of a ministry in California, and there was some complications around that. You bowed out of ministry. You weren't sure you are going to get back in. And then yeah. you found yourself moving across the country to become a pastor again, which, if I'm remembering your words correctly, you just it took you totally by surprise. Hmm. So I'd love to hear part of this story. Um, first of all, tell us about how you found yourself in California and and this community that you became leading. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I grew up in Ohio. Sorry, Christy. And married a woman from Michigan, though she went to she was uh, Michigan State. So we both are united in our hatred of the Wolverine. Um, oh, this is, this like podcast is not going well for me yeah. right now. Yeah. But good so, women but you, come from Michigan is what I'm going to take no, away. That's, true. that's utterly true. Well done. Um, especially when it's been over 3,300 days since uh, since Michigan's beat Ohio State, oh, but no. no one's counting. Oh, no. no one is counting. Uh, we um, need to move on, friends. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so I um I, I w- moved to California to go to a, a seminary program that was semi unique back in the day. Um, got hooked up with some some churches there. Uh, a big one was Mariners Church. I was a college pastor for four years. Uh, I became a teaching pastor at a church called Rock Harbor. That, that mm. uh, grew a lot and, and achieved whatever you would consider success in a church in worldly terms. Um, that led me back to Mariners for a couple of years, then to a church called Evie Free Fullerton, which is associated with Chuck Swindoll by kind of folks of his age. And, um, and that, was, that was some serious burnout. That's when mm. I resigned after three and a half years there, mm. uh, what I thought was going to be the final stop on the tour. Um, and <clears throat> loads of failure, loads of frustration. And I started a podcast, um, over five years ago because I was convinced the church should be the safest place to have any conversation, right? If we really do believe in sin, we're never surprised. If we really do believe in redemption, we never give up. If we really do believe in, in saving, then we're relentless optimists, right? 
And um, I just felt like there were these all these things that were happening in our world that I couldn't talk about as the pastor of a large church. And, um, you know, and whether that was cowardice on my part or some combination of the system or whatever, um, that opened up a community around our podcast. We planted a church out of our podcast. And I left that about a year and a half in to come move to Ohio. My I had had a major health scare. My mom was in the middle of a major health scare. She still lives here. So we came with no job uh, other than the podcast and a bit of teaching via Zoom back to the church in California. We moved uh, three years ago. And I just recently, the, the big surprise, I was done with the whole thing. Um, but the big surprise has been uh, accepting a teaching pastor job in Nashville. So we are on the road again. Mm shocking. Um, I've already started there and it is, it is amazingly healthy. So the church is, church has been this foil in so many negative ways, but this community, I realized a necessary part of my maturity, growth, character development was the church. And um, so between my therapist, family, counselors, spiritual directors, we all thought getting back into a church position was the best thing for me personally. And it's, it's certainly, certainly turned out to be true so far. I did. I started that in October. Yeah. Well, I want to spin things back towards the burnout mm-hmm. and I'd love if you could double click on that for us. How, what, what was burning you out? How did you know you were burned out? And then why did you, why did you decide to leave? Well, the super, the superficial answer is that um, there was a unhealthy mix of my woundedness and insecurity and about 600 people in the church who really did not want me to do what the church had asked me to do. Mm. Um, and we were seeing things that were great, but um, I, I had just done them in ways that alienated folks that really were used to a choir and orchestra and some of whom would even say, I'd rather have my choir than my grandkids in church. And, um, and so I was, I was, um, the, the, the criticism, um, was, was constant for three years. Uh, there were some really nasty folks in that church. I was immature and, um, didn't always handle that well. And, the, the the reason I resigned is I realized I was not the right person for the job. I, my leadership gifts, I thought my arrogance, I could teach my way to anything. Yeah. And I realized my leadership gifts were the entirely wrong for a church kind of rebuild in some ways. And they went out and hired a, the perfect guy, a shepherd, gentle, kind, <laughs> process oriented, slow moving, like exactly what they needed. Yeah. And I, you know, I was a guy that I rewrote governance because it needed to be done. They had never fired anybody. So I had to let some really love staff go because our, our, we were overstaffed. I mean, just, I was unwise in how much I decided to take on. Hmm. And um, on the deeper level, and this is where therapy has been really helpful. I had always used my competence to hide my shame and whenever that the shame came through anyway, I would run. Yeah. So this was another instance of me running. So it, it's kind of on both of those levels um, that dynamic was at play. So 
you know, like anything, man, it's, it's, um, it, I think it was the right thing done, not in the right way, but for sure, um, given who I was at the time, I was just the wrong guy. I, and it, you know, I wish, I wish that was a true, cause I loved my ego, loved the big church thing and the, you know, whatever. And it's been so such a gift to not have that and find worth significance identity elsewhere. Yeah, Mike, you you mentioned a couple of things we talk a lot about on this podcast. One of them is the crucible of competency, mm. like how when we're talented and gifted, we tend to trust our talent more than is warranted, <laughs> and, and especially in our so in our true. lack of maturity. Yeah. And and it's really through the only way I've the only way I've been able to witness others and myself experience any kind of development of wisdom, especially for gifted and talented people, is to fail. Oh. Well then my friend, have I got good news for you. Let me hear it. I need to receive it. Oh, let me just that I, I was thinking of like Paul's boasting in his weakness, right? Um and that's why I like my credentials. I don't I don't like telling people I, I used to work at large churches or whatever. Um, uh, my credentials are, you know, I have a, I have a little boy with down syndrome who still needs help with going potty. And um, when I can engage that willingly and joyfully, that, that counts for something, right? When, mm-hmm. when you're um, when my therapist asked such a good question one day, she's like, when you teach whose wounds are you healing? Whose wounds are you seeking to heal when you teach yours? Right. So I'm, I'm mm. wooing people to like me, accept me, think I'm competent, smart, whatever. Or am I really cruciform in the sense that I'm expending energy um, towards the, the wounds of other people? And I, I just thought, my goodness, that is, mm. that is the predominant question in how I approach social media and podcasting. And, you know, I mean, mm. it's, it's mm-hmm. these days it's so hard to try to embody the humble, shamed, socially low-status Jesus in ways that, um, you know, I mean, our whole, our whole system's built on violating the Sermon on the Mount, right? Everything, everything for the kingdom is supposed to be done in secret, and it's small, and it's not noticed. And everything in our world just says, no, no, no you got to shout it and brag about it and boast about it and retweet it. And um, just, you know, working all of that out requires such character formation and community involvement that um, I'm still learning. I mean, I've been doing this uh, like you guys for a while, and I just realized how much more I've got to go. Mike, I love the humility that oozes out of you. And it's, it's, like, it's really beautiful. <laughs> no, no, it's not oozing. It's hard one. <laughs> it, it came. It was hard. I've gotten my ass kicked by myself, by my mistakes, Mm -hmm. by life, right? That's, I appreciate that so much, Christy, but I have to object and say, I wish it oozed. I want it to ooze, but I have to put on intentional practices um, or, or lest I fall back into the old patterns of, you know, stature, credentials and greatness. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's taken me, you know, and God is, he is so relentlessly majestic in not in, in prodding, right? I mean, he doesn't see us. This is his great line. He's like, if he were malicious, then maybe we could hope for a fit of mercy. But he's not. He's good. Hmm. And if you're going to put yourself as someone 
who um, uh, is in leadership in any way, shape, or form over this big, beautiful church, um, you don't get out of this without his beautiful and relentless hand working on you through failure. Absolutely. That's how you get it. So thank yeah. you. I, I so appreciate that. I hope it's not inappropriate to push back. No. But it's it's just like, man, I wish it oozed. I would be such a different person of such a different ministry had that been true. Um, but it's been a hard, you know, and I still, I'm still, still a long way to go, man. Anyway, yeah. sorry to interrupt you, Casey. <clears throat> that was so nice. Uh, I hope that was not out, out of bounds. I was no, like, no, 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 no oozing. No. No, the only thing that's oozing is this cut on my nose. That's but it. Thankfully, you I think that's why she used that metaphor. She's just been preoccupied <laughs> with it. This podcast is brought to you by Gravity Leadership Academy, our 10-month online training intensive for Christian leaders who want to root their life and leadership in God's love and bring lasting transformation to their culture. In Gravity Leadership Academy, you'll learn the real-life practicalities of how to notice God's presence and activity in and around you, so you can participate more fully in God's life and mission, and open up space for those around you to do so too. We've worked really hard to make this training in missional leadership practical and doable. To find out more about Gravity Leadership Academy, visit gravityleadership.com academy. So many of us who make poor decisions and have bad experiences in churches, who it's a mixture of bad fits, bad people, and our own immaturity. And it's like, Boom. you know, it's just this toxic, like gas on a fire. Yeah, but it's so well easy. I remember listening to a podcast, dude, where um, somebody who had been removed from ministry for being basically a toxic narcissistic leader was coming back into ministry and he was being interviewed by somebody else. And the interview basically was celebrating how wonderful this guy handled his restoration, but there was right. very little truth telling about mm. the, the jiggery pokery straight from the pit of hell that he was a part of. Like there was, oh. there was no, it was, you know, you know what I mean? Like there's almost like this pious way. Well, totally. we all have struggles yeah. and weaknesses. There's and, a whole the Lord, cottage industry built on people who've blown it coming back healthier and better than ever. Yep. With, without mm -hmm. telling the truth about it, like totally. really telling the truth about it. I, th I know. If, if I had, I mean, Christy and I know each other for a long time. I think Christy heard you telling the truth about yourself, dude. Mm -hmm. I think oh, she I'm heard you telling the truth about what happened at Rock Harbor and Mariner and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and I think that's what she, and Christy, am I, I don't want to speak for you, but yeah, we, we, we've heard enough people not tell the truth about stuff. Right. <laughs> right. Well, I would love to hide it. It's just, I'm a poor hider as it turned out. Mm. So, mm. Mm. well, um, so you leave this big church and you start a podcast. Cause that's what you, mm -hmm. that's what you do when you're um, uh, unemployed white guy. And that's right, Christian. That's right. Yeah, middle-aged. Middle-aged, yep. yeah. What, why not? But Take we, all the boxes. <laughs> but you started this podcast, <laughs> and um, it, it, you said it led to becoming a church, which is probably not why right. you started the podcast. Tell us about, tell us about that season and, and why that church was different. Oh, well, I don't... It, so we based the podcast on three values or convictions, right? Uh, first, the church should be the safe space talking about anything. Second, 
the posture of the church is love and service to the world, not to sit in judgment of it. And third, the church had to innovate constantly to capture the hearts and minds of the next generation and, uh, or risk, maybe not innovate, but just risk. And, um, and we saw this, we called them uh, uh, spiritually homeless uh, folks. We saw just a ton of people. The first podcast we did was why gay marriage is good for the church. And, it, and, and coming out of this big church, it went through that church like wildfire, like see how, here's how, you know, off the rocker he is. But in it, I was just essentially suggesting like, hey, hey, evangelicals, if you hold the traditional view, you can't just pretend this isn't out there anymore. Like you, and you have to deal with the double standards of, hey, divorce, great, premarital, extramarital, okay, you're welcome. But two gay men holding hands, ooh, no, that's going to be a problem. Like mm-hmm. it just was a, it was a good reckoning for us. Yeah. And I found that there were all of these people who were sincere. I mean, you know this, that we're totally infatuated with the person of Jesus, but the institutional forms um, of the West were increasingly irrelevant or harmful. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and we thought, okay, well, and again, this can be an arrogant thing or it could be a good thing. We, we thought, okay, we don't want to just be a, a community that sits in critiques. We want to be a community that creates. And so we tried to build a church built on different a different set of values built around the eucharist which was new for me um uh built around embodying those three convictions and so um the metaphor we we thought of was the table jesus's table fellowship with sinners and so we said no to every other programming option except the table so we we had corporate table which was sundays we had communal table, which was once a month. People in our community would open their homes to other people in their community. And then success for us was a personal table where uh, you began to take the initiative in your neighborhoods or with your coworkers, friends, soccer. And, and you, you just, and that, that was it. We didn't, there were other great churches that did Bible studies, recovery groups, men's, women's teas, and whatever else. So there was a ruthless focus on the one hand. The second thing we really wanted to be was this is when LGBTQ stuff was going crazy. And we wanted to be a church where affirming and non-affirming Christians could love each other. So we would have people taking the bread and the cup who thought simultaneously gay people are um, not only welcome, but affirmed and in all of their gayness and, and can follow Jesus without question uh, they would share the table with people who thought, no, 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 these these people are going to go to hell. We had illegal immigrants um, uh, taking communion with Trump supporters and Trump t-shirts. And, um, and we thought, so we called it center focus. We wanted to be center focused, that the table is what kind of unites us. And obviously, you know, we made mistakes along the way, but, but that was all new for me because it wasn't performance and it wasn't CEO type. Uh, industry and it wasn't just the proliferation of of programs and staff to keep people happy. Um, it was just it was focused on countercultural friendship, really more than anything else. And um, and there were things that went along with that that were great. There were things that went along with that that weren't great. It was tough a year and a half in for me to leave, and I left very poorly. Again, the running thing I didn't realize the running. That's again I was running. And mm. did a lot of damage to people in the way that I left because we we had to get our kids in school here if we were going to move, and so it was two weeks. Two weeks. Mm-hmm. People had sacrificed huge amounts of time and money 
uh, to make this happen. And then bam, I leave. And I just hate that decision so much because we were on to something um, that was, that was for my, from my experience, it was, it was a bit different. Not that it was in any way better. It was just different. I didn't have to perform on Sundays. I didn't have the teaching didn't carry the service, right? right? This liturgy did not. And obviously our liturgical friends have known this for years and, um, but it was new for me and it was a really life-giving way of doing community. And so that's why I was so certain, certain that I would never do church again, that had spoiled me, you know, to the core, uh, because there we tasted something. I tasted something that I had not tasted in church before. Hmm. Yeah. Mike. So now you're, you're go ahead go well, ahead, Matt. Well, I, I want to, you mentioned this twice now. Uh, what is it about shame? Oh man, that makes us run. Oh, fig leaves, baby! This was our first maneuver. This is ingrained, <laughs> right? I mean, this is Genesis three. Bam! That in, for me, um, I had all the stage became a a very safe place because I could be I could control how vulnerable I was, and I was known for being vulnerable and talking about mental illness or whatever. Uh, we have a little boy with Down syndrome and talking about the struggle of not getting the family of your dreams. And, um, but, but there was this performance driver to all of that, that I, you know, that fed ego, but also would feed shame. Uh, and I, and I realized, um, that being religious is a great way, great way to disguise your fig leaves. Right. Mm-hmm. But as one of my spiritual directors said, it's the, it's the worst being religious, the worst place to hide from God. We think it's the best place. Um, but once you let a little bit in of Jesus, he's a very disruptive and intrusive presence, and it's glorious. But it is certainly not, in C.S. Lewis's words, it is not safe. All that is to say, it wasn't until, man, 48, last year, that I realized um, the patterns that shame had wrought um, and the decisions I made that would perpetuate it. And I realized, my goodness, the whole God is so great. He can use any motivation ever. But um, but so much of what I'd been doing and how I'd lived in the world was managing that. And I wasn't able to access it. Uh, but when I did, it was, you know, with with the help of some folks, it was very, very life transforming. You know, so, yeah, I would I would run. Uh, I would stay distant, right? Because I was the dude on the stage who knew stuff. Um, uh, it, it for me, uh, and I never. I mean, I. I <laughs> there was the guy who just lectured on what shame was. I didn't even know what shame was. I just knew when I felt it, but I didn't know what it was. And um, and so the realization: Wow, so much of what I've done with God and the performing I've done with Him, performing I've done everywhere, is is rooted around that bit. And hallelujah, God can take, you know, jars of clay and turn them into something valuable. But my word, the amount of, um, the amount of work that needed to be done to sort of dismantle these ways of being in the world. Um, still, I mean, just immense. It's forever, you know, at this point. Um, but, but so good. So, so for me, um, because shame caused me to run, you know, 
what was attractive was sitting in podcasting in Ohio by myself. Mm. And that was the least healthy thing in the world <laughs> for me. Mm. Um, and, and so what healing looks like, and it took forever to be really convinced of this. Healing looks like going back to the place that wounded you and doing it in different ways with different people and running kind of towards the wound. Um, Cause it wasn't really the church that wounded me. Right. It was, it was a whole combination of things, but it was just easier to sort of sit above it all and talk about it without, yeah. without the, uh, you know, don't, don't you young lady, when you ask me this question, do you not know who I am? Like, <laughs> you know, we just the dumb, I mean, just horrible. Yeah. So, so it's just so, yeah. it's so great to see all of that triggered again, but mm-hmm. now in an entirely different posture mm-hmm. with a support system that can help, help sort through it. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, uh, you mentioned, you know, podcasting was the worst thing for you. It's just another, it's another stage, right? Uh, totally. and now, and now it's one that, uh, people can't even see you. Can't even right. see you have a band right. on your nose and, or whatever, you know? Well, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's yeah. exactly right. But it, for me, it was isolation. That was the killer. Yeah, yeah dude. Yeah. You know, I also was just struck by that, you know, I completely understand it. People sort of being hurt by the church and I know the, the church is jacked up and you know, it, it, you can get hurt there. Um, but I think there is this trap that we can fall into of sort of othering the whole church as if we're not part of the church. Yeah. Right. And just saying like, Oh, there's this boogeyman out there called the church that is somehow yeah. more nefariously wicked than the rest of the world or, and I'm not part of that. Um, and that, you know, and maybe, at the initial phases of realizing some hurt there, maybe that's okay to kind of sift and sort some things, but um, I think it's a trap to stay there. So yeah. it's interesting that your move is to come back into the church and serve the church in a more I, yeah, I wouldn't have explicit chosen that. way. Yeah. No, but that's you the know, shame bit, right? The, the answer to shame is being known and accepted and loved. Yes. And so community, we're hurt in community and we're healed in community, right? That's kind yeah. of how it works. Speaking so. of being hurt in community, Christy, you have a question. <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> Wow. I tried to jump in a couple times. People. Sorry, you, you have uh, been. I sorry. noticed that, Christy. Um, no, I'm just interested. You're going. You you just took a job at a church in Nashville, mm-hmm. and and you're walking right back into that. Tell us a little bit. I mean, there's been healing. There's been, you know, spiritual mm-hmm. formation, growth in the shame area. It sounds. I mean, you're you do not sound like a burnt out bitter person, which I hear when people leave churches, right? <laughs> and that's not. You and so I'm interested to hear, like, how did you make this decision? What is this healthy because you called it a healthy church look like? Mm-hmm. How is it different? And how did you know that? Oh, my goodness! No, you have been saving up, those are br- by far better questions <laughs> than anything that the other guys were bringing up. So, thank you. This now, we're typically getting down. How it goes. yes, exactly. Oh, my goodness. Um, uh, let's see here. So, so I have made many dumb decisions in life. Um, I, I've wrestled with pornography. I've wrestled with, I texted um, inappropriately, person, not my wife. Um, I got caught by God's mercy and the, and the mercy of really good friends. And, and there was a reckoning, baby, when I just, in Ohio alone, gaining weight, eating too much, looking at pornography, like just I, the, all that whole package for me was um, shame and me- management and medication. 
And so I, I have um, a wonderful friend who's like, hey, <laughs> this just looks a little weird. And, um, and I, and, and, and they're so the, the, this tribe of, uh, of friends is the best tribe in the history of the world because they, um, they did it. They did it in a way they, they talked to me in a way that just was inviting, uh, mm. and didn't add to the shame narrative. And, uh, it was, it just, that, that story is just super incredible. And then mm. they, um, recommended a place in Tennessee called Onsite where you go. And I was part of a six and a half day group of um, just some of the men and some of the issues I would never, I, I knew in theory these things existed, but it was until you're meeting guys, it's like, Oh my goodness. And that was, mm. that what, that was the beginning. It was the first time I'd actually tasted what a small group is, right? Because it wasn't, it was funny because the the group we led off the group by telling everybody the worst things about ourselves <laughs> and after that it was so funny there was no pastoring none of the people there were christian th- that i'm aware of but there was this this cohesion in the group and the group started shepherding itself without the therapist having to say a word three of the men were um considering leaving their wives for their um uh, their partners that they were having affairs with somebody, uh, it doesn't matter, but these were, this was like extreme. And I'm like, Hey guys, I was flirting inappropriately. And the, and the, the lie I believed was that I was different. Uh, I didn't, I didn't belong there. And as you get into the dynamics of shame and guilt and all this stuff, I'm realizing my Lord, mm-hmm. this, this is the closest thing I felt to quote church. Uh, in my life, because because I could be completely and utterly honest as a Jesus follower and not have my job in jeopardy, my social mm-hmm. status mm-hmm. in jeopardy, my credentials in jeopardy. It was just like as real and as ruthless. And then and then you hear the abuse and the trauma that these men had undergone, and and the and the path that led to their behaviors. And you're sitting there going, "My Lord, the church doesn't have categories for this." Right. I mean, we're just not, at least in my experience, we're just, we don't make room for prequels or sequels. We're just dealing with, you know, the, mm-hmm. the sin in your life now. Yeah. And it was so eye opening. And then I had this moment of, of kind of getting in touch with some stuff that I had not ever been in touch with. And it was incredible. And I'm sitting there going, this is one of the most profound spiritual experiences of my life. And I come out of that and I, um, I go back to meet with the guy who specializes on shame for three and a half days. And it's just this, oh, explosion of all this stuff. <laughs> and you're just sitting there going, okay, what do I do with this now? And, and my wife and our kids are involved in this and our, our, our podcast community. And I mean, it was, it was so remarkable to, to taste friendship without the performing right mm. without competence I mean, it was just and again it's so cliche but it was so true so all that is to say christy so that so so my um the trajectory of my life came to a head in those moments mm. and um and what came out of that was an, an absolute reconfiguration of of the whole thing um 
and I'm trying not to use too grand of language because I'm, I'm just a, you know, over a year in, but the church, um, like one of, one of the places I, I was practicing repentance was going to a church where I didn't preach or teach or wasn't anybody. No one knew or cared what I'd done or what books I'd written or anything. And so I went to this Lutheran church and um, they, they don't care about this Sunday after Easter. You got to put your big show on for visitors. They don't, they didn't care. If, I mean, they just did what they did and yeah. they, and it was, it was glorious. And so there's this, all this reconfiguring. And then my spiritual director is like, you know, you really got to think about going back to what hurt you or at least where your hurt became manifest. So we began to pray, well, I shouldn't be a senior pastor. Well, the first prayer was, hey, should I even go back and do this? Mm-hmm. Or does that, is that, is that, um, does that facilitate shame, healing, or ego? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I applied to the post office and was thinking about, I look good. I really look good in shorts. And so I was like UPS. <laughs> and, um, but there was this universal tribal agreement that for me, church could be a place of healing because it's it's been a part of my devotional life and the realest part of my devotional life forever. And um, and so we began to say, okay, so can't be a senior pastor, just wouldn't be healthy. Um, would love to be a teaching pastor, would love to be in a small church, um, and would love to have healthy boundaries. There was there were some seasons when I would preach five or six services a weekend and then, you know, crash until Wednesday or Thursday, the following week. And I just didn't want to get into that. And that we would be a part of a healthy team who knew everything and still hired me. Mm-hmm. So um, two weeks after I began praying for that, I told nobody because I was kind of embarrassed. <laughs> uh, um, I got a call from a friend uh, who was like, hey, we just had a pastor leave because of some moral issues. And our executive pastor became the senior pastor. And we're wondering, we need a teaching pastor. And this was a guy who'd listened to our podcast and had had known all this stuff and was like, hey, and we, so my interview process was so weird. I didn't, I I just shared what I was learning in therapy and all (laughs) of what I've been learning in my failures and the steps I've taken in repentance and the the sin that still resides. And uh, these glorious folks um, welcomed that conversation, not only welcomed it, but considered it a, a sign of health um, to have conversation at that level. And, um, and, it, it, and it, is, it has been remarkable, even though I'm commuting from Columbus to, to Nashville to teach, it has been utterly transforming to be around a community of people where I, I'm not the person I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a full part of a four member team who, who all have gifts as equal in my, to mine, but in different areas and, and following a team leader who is utterly uh, secure. And that has just been ridiculous. So it was a, it was, you know, I'm not a big, like God answers every prayer or there are always demons or, you know, I don't, I, I do believe there sometimes coincidences happen and we can be thankful to Jesus for those. But this was like a direct, there's a direct line from yeah. my heart to this. 
that it was just unmistakable. And I, and I, and I, I'm just so grateful. And then there, there've been a whole bunch of, um, I tell me if I'm over talking, I, I don't, um, it's, it's hard to capture the journey because sure. it is, it's not, I don't feel burned out at all. I feel more invigorated than ever. Um, I don't feel cynicism, although I, I'm fully aware of the carnage of the church and some elements of it. What I feel instead is uh, profound gratitude and joy um, to be able to expend my life in these ways. You know yes. what I mean? Yeah. And I feel, at least so far, a great deal of freedom in not having to be impressive. And that's really new for me because that's always how I would try to mask, you know, and cover. So, because I go Thank into, you. I go into the church and they know everything. They know yeah. it all. They know the truth. Yeah. You know, they called my spiritual director. They called um, my uh, board for Vox who knew everything. Um, because because the 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 texting stuff wasn't that even what that's not in evangelicalism that's like ooh that's the deal breaker, hmm. my goodness that's just a symptom of things that that were going on for decades, you know yeah. ways of finding right. validation and ways of right. medicating and it was so great to be around a community who didn't just react to the symptom, yeah. but saw it as um, oh this this is this is Mike's soul telling us about the state that it's in. Yeah. <laughs> and that doesn't remove consequences or hurt or whatever, mm-hmm. but it it reframed the conversation so that I wasn't sitting there um, marinating in shame. I was invited to drop that and pick up something else. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was just a remarkable thing for me. And I'm, I'm beyond grateful to the friends who helped. Yeah. You know, it would have been an entirely different story otherwise. <laughs> You know, Mike, I feel like maybe our listeners are feeling how I am, but I I needed to hear that. I needed Mm. to hear that because I think in my story, I believe the lie that failure is bad. Like the only outcome of failure is bad. (laughs) And and I just need to hear that, no, failure is an opportunity for God to open Mm. my eyes to where he really wants to work. And I don't like that as an Enneagram three. It's like worst case scenario for me, right? And yet I need that. I need to see people model that in front of me. Um, mm. And I need to be encouraged and 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 the freedom to say, I have nothing to prove and nothing to earn. And I just- And nothing get, to hide. And nothing mm-hmm. to hide, yes. That's the big yes. one for me. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that. It, this is just what Paul's been saying the whole time, right? I mean, mm. I've never seen it, but I, I just wrote, I just took my previous job descriptions and then and then I went through Paul's letters and just wrote down everything he says about ministry and pastoring. <laughs> and, you know, no, and no shock. They were antithetical pictures. There's no, there's almost, there's hardly any overlap. <laughs> and when he talks about resurrection power only rests in weakness, um, you know, it's it, it, the reason we don't see God's power is we just make so much of our own in the American church, yeah. right? It's, it's, um, mm. it's our next great series and our incredible small groups and make sure the fog machine's going at just the right <laughs> level. And, and, and okay, that's fine. God can use all of that, but it just belies 
the shame that we're that we're hiding corporately that god is exposing see that's the beautiful thing yeah. all of this stuff happening in the church this is good news this yeah. is when jesus deconstructed the judaism of his day he told the truth about it mm-hmm. and he is doing the exact same thing with the american church and i for one am thrilled this yeah. is th- this thing needs to die in its current form so that it can be resurrected as something vibrant something without contamination by nationalistic policies uh, and politics and, and all of the, the gunk that's just been a part of this thing for so long. Yeah. And um, so I actually find this whole thing to be really exciting. Um, I don't, I don't, it, it's strange. It actually strengthens my faith mm. to see the Lord will not allow the abuse in our midst and the ego in our midst and the selfishness and greed in our midst to just be, to just go unnoticed. Mm. Um, I'm so, so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for that, even though it's causing tons of pain. Yeah. I, w- I want to chat maybe about that as we close a little bit here, Mike, but I, I'm just noticing as you told your story, you shared how easy it was to hide in shame, whether you were on a platform in front of 2000 people or in your living room <laughs> by yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what what I what I hear you describe is what caused the shame to lose its bondage on you was finding people who wouldn't let you hide or run, and oh, and facing so and awesome, befriending man. your shame with them. That, yeah, that's one and of the people most people who wouldn't hide and run from you yeah, once you revealed it. Totally, right. that's right. one of the most transformational things is when we like when we are just exposed and people are like, oh, there's more of Mike to love now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. And uh, that's so cliche, but that's why people run to AA meetings rather than small groups. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. They know grace awaits them yeah. mm-hmm. there. Yeah. And, um, and, and that's why the, why church leadership is such a damaging, I have a professional and financial investment in presenting myself to be more holy than I am. Mm. Um, Cause it's okay to have struggled, right? I, yeah, yeah. I used to struggle with porn. Yeah, for sure. Or, no, last night, actually, instead of preparing for the message, I spent an hour on this website looking up this, right? Hmm. No one's going to want you to teach after that. Or, or it, can, it can be alcohol or it can be whatever. Yeah. And, but again, those are all symptoms. Those don't matter. Those, I mean, they matter in the sense that they're fruit. Yeah. And, and we're to be judged by fruit, of course. But they yeah. don't matter in the sense of that's where it, healing doesn't come from trying harder, feeling bad. Right. Um, yeah. it's the embodiment of the grace, uh, and acceptance of Jesus. And again, I would, we'd all know it theologically, mm-hmm. but to find people who actually sit in it with you, yeah. um, it's a whole different thing. And yeah. you know, what we've, what are, what we've discipled to people to be in, um, uh, isn't that right. We've discipled much other postures, mm. Um, and, uh, so I think it's just, a. It, it is, how can I be, you know, harsh with people who, uh, I am one of, uh, but at the same yeah. time, there's like this opening up, hmm. um, of, oh, okay. Th- there are new possibilities yeah. to this thing that I, I really had always heard of and believed theoretically, but yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah. You know? So it'd just be great. I'd love to have a pastor's gathering where we just told the truth about each other. Mm. You know, I'm envious of this person. And so I do this. 
Let's you know, do it. I, I don't... You know, I mean, that would be incredible. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do a co-sponsored there. Gravity uh, Vox podcast. No, uh, no sponsoring. Let's just, <laughs> if we're going to do it... I mean, let's, let's pull it together is what it. I'm saying. Let's just take responsibility for it or else it doesn't happen. Okay. Uh, That'd be great. Mike, where's... Let's, we got to wind down, man, because uh, you've you've got a soccer game to hear about. Oh, I'm very I'm very important, and um, and I've got I've got to uh, walk around my house. Um, <laughs> Seven times, blowing and then blowing, showing, so showing everybody who's in charge. <laughs> However long it takes for my children to respect me. Yes. Um, I I. Do you know who I am? You referenced kind of how everything is being revealed right now in sort of white American evangelicalism mm. and maybe a larger like the white just American conservative church. Mm. Uh, where where does this end? What's what's God mm. doing here in terms of uh, as you listen and think? What, what's happening? Man, I don't know. But if I were to guess, it looks a lot. So when I look at how Jesus had to deconstruct his disciples and how he approached the things that had been intended for good by God, but had been hijacked by the powers and by evil uh, men, primarily. Um, so, so he did several things at once, right? He, of course, he told the truth, but he embodied the alternative. So it's not just enough to, to sit in our cynicism and say, this, this sucks, mm-hmm. but we have, to act, mm-hmm. we have to actively work to embody the alternatives, not in a reactionary way, but in a way that invites people not to move to the opposite extreme, but forward, right? And beyond these sorts of, of ways of, of thinking and practicing. He, um, I mean, he, I, <laughs> he was so, I mean, the, the, the responses of just go through the gospels and hear how the, the core disciples respond to him. And you realize, my goodness, he is so dismantling everything they thought about Messiah and Israel, mm-hmm. temple and priesthood. Mm-hmm. And you realize, okay, so so if that is an historical parallel, um, what's the what's 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 to think that Jesus isn't doing the same thing today? Hmm. So, and when did it end? Well, it end it ended when the natural ways that Israel understood itself that were not of God's kingdom played themselves out in such a way that that the kingdom of Israel was crushed underneath. Roman boots, um, and that its temple was destroyed, so that it literally had nothing left to build its foundation on, except the Pharisees, the schools of the Pharisees, it introduced rabbinic Judaism, and introduced the importance of the synagogue and spiritual sacrifices. But but so so to me, uh, until we all lose tax exempt status, turn bivocational repent of the sins of racism, sexism, homophobia, whatever else. Um, this is going to keep happening. Uh, and, and personally, I think it's, it, it won't be until our temples are destroyed that literally we, we begin to lose our, our buildings that we'll begin to uh, um, imagine uh, and conceive of church in alternative ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. Until there's actual financial ruin is the only way the American church is going to repent. Until the golden calf of mammon is melted. Come on, someone's preaching, Matt. Then, <laughs> then repentance and revival will break out. Yeah, I, 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 and and it's already happening. We're seeing by we're seeing because we're telling the truth about people like Ravi, who I had great uh, admiration for. And um, if you're not familiar, Ravi Zacharias. Uh, mm-hmm. 
you're like, wow, okay. So what's that tell us about us? Is it shocking that he's sinful? Nope. Is it shocking that he hid? Nope. Is it shocking that it was this bad? No. What's shocking? Shocking that we were never open to the possibility that someone like that could do something like this. And um, that's the whole celebrity thing has just got to die. So it's yeah. got to be the Christian publishing industry that dies. It's got to be Christian music that dies. The, the financial gain we have for being religious. And I'm a part of this. Mm. Um, that whole thing has to die. And the deconstruction mm. won't happen fully or be complete uh, until that's reckoned with. Yeah. You know, mm. and that will take a lot for Americans. That will, that will be a long time for us to get there. Yes, we we may even find a few convenient scapegoats to offer up to the gods so that we can save ourselves. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, that's so good, man. That's exactly that. what we'll do. Yeah. Because remember, the Pharisees thought that the reason God had not redeemed Israel it was the, because of the sinners. Yeah. The mm-hmm. sinners in Israel. Yeah. So right. of course, the reason the American church is persecuted is because of all the sinners. Well, it's the exact same play. It's better. Better for these people to be kicked out from the for the whole church to perish. <laughs> this is it's just yes. logical. Yep, it's better oh. if the if better if the uh, Beth Moors are sacrificed than in, yes. for the whole the denomination yes. to go to hell. Yeah. Yeah. Man, yeah. Oh man, it's, right? it's but, but, the same but, thing. But then we but then we've got to look inward, right? Because here's here's my jam, Christy. My jam is to judge the judges, and then I <laughs> I join them, and. Right. Um, that's why Tricky. my energy cannot be focused on judging the judges, but building something that that is a prophetic alternative mm-hmm. yeah. to some of the idols. So it will have its own idolatries. That's just we can't help ourselves. Yeah. But maybe we can introduce some some uh, things yep. that haven't been a part of the conversation in a while. Yeah. Mike, mm-hmm. thanks for kicking it with us today. Oh, thanks. What an invite. Thank you. It's great. Very much. So good. Hey, will you? Uh, we plug your pluggables. We, by the way, this fall. <laughs> Come on, dude. I'll do he it then. He just shakes his head no. I'll do it. No, this fall, no. we uh, we preached through no a plugging. sermon series called uh, Living the Politics of Jesus in a Partisan America. Oh, that's so good. And we preached this Sermon on the Mount. And I, I had, you know, like any dutiful uh, pastor, I'd gone through all my best commentaries and pulled out some accessible ones for our preaching team. And yeah. then, I, and then Mike, you start podcasting on the Sermon on the Mount, and I just threw out my commentaries, and I was like, teaching team... <laughs> Listen to Mike's podcast on the Sermon on the Mount. No, and I'm not kidding you, man. We have we have stay at home moms that are preaching. We've got um, oh, I love that. We've got we've got got all different kinds of people all over the place that are that are teaching with like a a normal commentary. You give it to them, and they're just like, "What do I do with this? And how do I use it?" And it's uh, and uh, by far your commentary series on the Sermon on the Mount was the most helpful resource we gave our team. Yeah. Oh, so I'm just channeling really smart people. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it, but the way you're digesting it and then uh, feeding yeah, us, it's, it's us. really good. Yeah. So, Box well, Podcast, check it out with Mike Erie, especially this series on the Sermon on the Mount. But he's got 190 mm-hmm. some odd episodes. You can, you know, just put yourself to sleep every night with. Um, <laughs> Mike, thanks for being with us today. Absolutely, you guys. Great to meet you. Thanks for the work you're doing. Thanks mm-hmm. for um, putting up with my rambling today. I appreciate it. All right, great to be with you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke, Matt Tebby, and Ben Hardman. Aaron Sternke does our mixing and mastering. You can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. 
If you find our podcast helpful, share it with your friends in person and on social media. And don't forget to rate and review us online as well as subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join our Gravity community for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. And hey, we'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, make a comment, send us an idea, a recommendation, recipe, whatever. You can email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.